you know, if I would have applied myself, I could have gone to the NBA. You think so? Yeah, I think so. But it's just like, it's been done. You know, I didn't want to, <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be a follower. Hi, I'm Jason Concepcion. And I'm Shay Serrano. And we are back. We have a new podcast from Wondery. It's called Six Trophies. Woo! And it's the f-ing best. Each week, Shay Serrano and I are combing through all the NBA storylines, finding the best, most interesting, most compelling stories, and then handing out six pop culture themed trophies for six basketball related activities. Trophies like the Dominic. Toretto, I live my life a quarter mile at a time trophy, which is given to someone who made a short-term decision with no regard for future consequence. Or the Christopher Nolan Tenet trophy, which is given to someone who did something that we didn't understand. Catalina wine mixer trophy. Ooh, the Lauren Hill, you might win some, but you just lost one trophy. And what's more, the NBA playoffs are here, so you want to make Six Trophies your go-to companion podcast through all the craziness. Follow Six Trophies on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. Listen ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. What these young bloods have to understand, that this game has always been and will always be about buckets. Just attack the basket. Welcome to Buckets, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. This is your Monday weekend recap episode. Glad to have you with us. My name is Matt Moore. I'm the senior NBA writer for the Action Network, joined by Albert Wynn. He's the analytics capper. You can find him on Twitter, at analytics capper. Albert, how was your weekend? How are you doing? First of all, Matt, happy Martin Luther King Day. I hope you're enjoying it. I know you have kids at home today. I have kids at home, so... We're enjoying it as much as I can. Full disclosure, if you hear some crying, if you hear some yelling in the background, I do apologize. But the weekend was great. I went 2-1 and one in the NFL on Sunday, 1-1 one one on Saturday, so can't complain. I'm excited for today's big NBA slate. Uh, I had a good NFL weekend. I had an okay NBA weekend. I had some rough, rough ones yesterday. Uh, really can't believe that the, the Nuggets failed to cover the 10 and a half versus or the 10 versus the Magic. That was annoying. Uh, but they got, even with them getting the win, we'll talk about them more today. But we're going to talk about today. We're going to start this conversation off with a conversation about the second half surge teams. So last year at this time, we were like, boy, those Boston Celtics, whew, time might be up for them, might need to break up the core. Can Ime Odoka even coach? They were languishing, and right about this time is when they turned it around, and they finished the season as the best team in the league, uh, best offense, best defense, best net rating, took out everybody through the end of the regular season, got past the box in the second round, made the NBA Finals, almost came away with a win versus the Warriors before Steph stepped. Um, and so it's a sign of how in the second half of the season – the NBA season is long, and I do think that there are determining factors in early in the season, and especially in this mid part of the season, where between December fifteenth and the All Star, where you really get to see what teams are. I take a lot from this period, but there's an opportunity here for teams to make second half runs, just like there's opportunities for teams that are looking pretty good to maybe slide a bit. So we're gonna try and find some of these outliers. Like what teams are in a good position to maybe surge in the second half of the season, and we got maybe one that we think might be going in the other direction and one that's definitely in the middle. AC, I'm going to start you off with your hometown team, the Dallas Mavericks. The Mavericks 
lose over the weekend twice the Portland Trail Blazers. Lucas sits out. I was on the Blazers in both games. Uh, that was a, a nice little hit for me. I thought it was a good spot for Portland. Uh, they they lose to the Clippers earlier in the week. The Mavs, uh, about 10 days ago, their Pythagorean expectation was 49. It's now down to 43. Their live win total at FanDuel is 46 and a half. So right in that, they're basically, to me, this projects kind of like a, they're on the bubble of play-in. Like they're either going to be that six seed or maybe like seven, eight. Don't think nine, 10 is going to remain. They've had the ninth toughest strength of schedule so far. So they faced a really tough opponent stretch. They have the 23rd remaining strength of schedule. So they've got an easy stretch in terms of opponent not home away splits, not travel, but in terms of opponent, they've faced some pretty easy ones. And we know that some of the tougher teams oftentimes are resting guys as the season gets later. Uh, Josh Green's going to be back soon. He's been absolutely phenomenal for them. DFS should be back at some point. They've been without a bunch of guys that enable their defense. I have this based off of my numbers. I did a projection and I've got them at 46.4. So like right on the number of where it's at right now at FanDuel at 46 and a half. But based off of the injuries, AC, I got to tell you, I kind of like the over for Dallas. Yeah, that's why I love talking to, I love talking basketball with you, Matt. Um, A lot of people outside of Dallas don't realize how integral guys like Josh Green, Dorian Finney-Smith, Maxi Kleber, who's not going to be back very soon, but those guys are arguably three of the best defenders on the team, uh, definitely individually. So, um, I mean, I think a lot of it is going to be contingent on the health here, Matt. I think with Luca, you're always obviously going to have a shot in every single game, but they need their shooting to pick up. Dorian Finney-Smith, who had an awesome, unbelievable season in the last two, shooting over 40% from three, he's scaled down a little bit. Reggie Bullock has scaled down a bit. So they've given more minutes to right and Hardy. Um, I think those are, they're not going to be big playoff performers, but I think getting them minutes and getting them run right now, it's only going to be helpful for the team. I agree for you. This is a great buy low spot for Dallas. They are coming off back-to-back losses to Portland. By the way, that's the easiest cap is when Luca's out, just fade Dallas. That's just so easy. Uh, But yeah, with the 23rd remaining strength of schedule, um, I think they have a pretty good chance to go over the expected wins. And Little, there's a little bit of hot seat right now when it comes to Jason Kidd. So I think he's really going to start pushing his team forward. Yeah, the Mavs are 0-4 straight up, 1-3 and against the spread now without Luka Doncic. That's in my trends column, which you can find in the Action Network app, which, by the way, is the best way for you to track your picks. Download it right now. Um, yeah, so I, I think this team's got a lot of upside. I think moving Christian Wood into the starting unit has been good. There is a move to be made on the table. So the question is about Tim Hardaway Jr. And they, I will, I'm going to try and put this in a greater context as far as we look at trade options. You'll hear a lot of like, oh, they talked to this team and, that, and they weren't interested. What's happening now is the Mavericks are in public and around the league because what happens is like the stuff gets circulated and then gets reported. The Mavs are letting it be known like, hey, we want to make a move. Tim Hardaway Jr. is our key piece that we can we can provide in terms of salary. They have been shopping THJ for multiple years. <laughs> so like I've reported on this, that they've been shopping him because he's really their only asset they can move. And so like they had conversations with uh, Detroit last year for a move. 
they had conversations with other teams looking for options. Like they were looking to kind of get in on some, some, some more flexibility to free up cap space. That was kind of the idea last year. They were going to trade THJ to Detroit. This is what was really funny. Just side note. They had conversations with Detroit to trade THJ there. And they were going to use that cap space to sign Jalen Brunson. So I don't know if the Pistons directly turned around but the Knicks definitely got wind of it. And then the Knicks did the deal to clear space, which allowed them to sign Jalen Brunson. Yeah. So it's just like a really funny, like Detroit's like, oh, you want, you need room to clear from Brunson. Oh, hey, New York, do you want Brunson? Because <laughs> we can give you the cap space. Um, the reason I bring this, these previous conversations up is that Dallas already has a sense of what his market is. So there's an opportunity for Dallas to add another wing, add another big, add another guard. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if if they would move JaVale McGee on the contract that he's on. It's a multi-year deal, but it's not fully guaranteed for the entirety. So like that would actually be a pretty good trade piece, to be quite honest with you. If JaVale's not in the rotation, everyone in the NBA wants a backup big. Everybody wants a backup big. And so if you have, if you're like, well, look, we have Wood and we have Powell. If we can trade salary and maybe get an upgrade at a small ball four option, that might work out for us. This is all to say that I do think there's a little bit of value on the Mavs at 46 and a half. I just think that they have, I think that right now the market's at its lowest based off of these injuries. And with the injuries plus a potential trade, I do think Dallas kind of projects as an over. Uh, let's move on to the Sacramento Kings. Light the beam, baby. Uh, their win total at FanDuel is 42 and a half. We are closing in on the 31 and a half I got when the market first opened and the 33 and a half that I put the max bet in on. Woo! Feeling good about those Sacramento Kings. Love lighting the beam. Their Pythagorean. Here's what's interesting, though, AC. Little bit of stickiness to the preseason expectations. The books mm-hmm. are still like, okay, but you're the Kings. Like, we get it. We get light the beam. We get it. You're the Kings. Because their Pythagorean expectation right now is 47.4. I've got them projected at 44.8, even with their horrendous half-court defense. Their win total is only at 42 and a half. Uh, they have they've had the now they've had an exceptionally easy schedule so far. They're 29th in strength of schedule right now at dunks and threes, but the remaining is only 14th toughest. A lot of this has to do with the fact that the Pacific Division suddenly sucks, and so like <laughs> team, we would have thought like, oh, this is a brutal division. You got the Clippers and you got the Suns and you got the Warriors, and now it's like, eh, no, those teams are great. Uh, so that helps with the with the strength of schedule numbers, and it'll help with the remaining ones as well. So if you're like, well, I think the Suns, and I, I think two of those three will figure it out, the schedule probably gets a little bit tougher because they'll have to play them more games. But I will tell you, I, I'm in such a great spot on, on the 30 and a half. I'm really trying hard not to to reinvest because I'm just like, well, no, now you're getting greedy and you're, you're cutting yeah. into your profit. Like you already have this profit Take the on the win. win total. But right yes, now, yes. I would say if you haven't gotten in the market, I think 42 and a half is soft and way too weighted to their preseason stuff. Yeah, I'm going up. Light the beam for sure. They still have the number one offense in the league, Matt. They're averaging 120 points. That's better than the Celtics, the Warriors, the Jazz, the Pelicans. Yes, their defense is bad, uh, giving up over giving up, up 117 points per game. But I mean, when it comes to the regular season, Matt, in my opinion, you got to be elite at one thing to win more than 50% of your games, right? So if the Kings are really, really elite at offense and they're the number one points per game on average right now, 120 points, 
Um, I think they're just going to win over 41 games. That's just the the truth of the matter. That's why they're, um, you know, the number one rated offense. So I think this team is also going to get better as the season goes on. De'Aaron Fox is becoming one of the good closers in the NBA. That, that To me, that was what was really holding him back in his first couple of years. DeMontis Sabonis is one of the most selfless stars. I, I consider Steph Curry the selfless, most selfless superstar of all, all time. I think Sabonis is one of the most selfish stars right now in today's game. And then you guys, you guys, you have guys like uh, Keegan Murray, um, you know, Harrison Barnes. These guys are solid uh, coming off the bench or starting very versatile, nice wings and good solid shooters percentage wise, not only from three, but from the free throw line. I like the Kings. I want to like this beam. If you are not on this over yet, I think it's a great time to jump on it. But for you, Matt, just take the win, man. Take the max bet win. That is an awesome, awesome bet. Great job. Uh, yeah, they've gotten, I mean, like Kevin Herter has been so great for them. Malik Monk's been so great for them. You and I have, have talked about him for six, man. Um, they're just like, they've had so many guys contribute to this team. And it's been just, I, I think really impressive. I'm, you know, Trey Lyles came in to a Rockets game last week and just like eviscerated Houston and they got a win because Trey Lyles killed them in the fourth quarter. Like Lyles is playing good minutes for them. Davion Mitchell. I saw that his three point numbers are starting to stabilize towards average. If Davion Mitchell is an average shooter with that level of defense, that's going to be like a really big bump for them. This team is really good. This team's really good. And um, I'm not willing to go in on, it's funny because it's like, okay, so you think they're going to go over and the division's not great and no one's getting better. Why can't they win the division? <laughs> because the market's still like, well, they're not going to, well, come on now. They're not going to win the division. That's that really is. This is funny because, you know, a lot of times you try and figure out where the market is coming from. And it really just kind of tell you that the, the Kings must be taking no money. Like they must be getting no money in the market for this win total to be this low in an active market. Um, and for their division odds to still be what they are. Because if you look at, at FanDuel Sportsbook, here's the odds for the Pacific Division. This is just to have the most wins in the regular season. Warriors plus 190, Suns plus 300, Clippers plus 300, Kings plus 340. So like right now, the Kings are, you're getting 40 cents on the Suns who are like a mash unit with bad chemistry. Like it's yeah. rough. Um I still am not there because I'm just like, well, do I really need to like, do I, do I, my question right now is like, do I need a Kings division bet? And I'm like, no. Matt, I think it's actually a solid bet. If you look at the rest of the divisions in the NBA, this is actually the most competitive one. I know the rest of the teams have taken a step back, Clippers, Warriors, Suns, uh, but from the Kings all the way down to the Lakers, it's only five and a half games uh, separating those five teams. You basically can throw LA out of there unless they make a huge trade, which I don't think it's happening. So will the Suns get healthy enough to, to go on a run? Maybe. Are the Warriors good enough to go on a, a second half surge because they've you know uh champions and been here before most likely clippers with all that talent can get better as well but i think the kings we know what they're really good at and that's offense right now and i think that is the one constant in this division i like kings i don't know what the the odds are there matt but if it's the fourth or fifth third or fourth uh best odds i think it's worthy so like here, here's a like here's a plausible scenario right so like the suns were the number one seed when book was playing Despite all of their drama, they were still like the number one seed. And then they started getting hurt and they slipped and fell. So like book comes back, 
let's say they make a trade. They trade Aiton and they pick up something. There's a lot of Suns fans that are clamming for Julius Randle. Um, I don't know if that deal is going to happen. Would make a lot of sense for both teams, but regardless, uh, the Kings have a five game lead. So the question is just like, all right, can the Suns burst so much as to make up a five game lead over the, the back half 38 games? That sounds like, well, yeah, sure. It's 38 games. That's hard. Like, especially with the Kings winning at a 57% clip, the Kings didn't start off like horrendous and then play lights out for, you know, unsustainably for a month and then have stabilized. They've been okay. Like they started off pretty bad, but then they'd stabilized and been pretty consistent. Um, and, and those, that consistency, I think is, is one of the reasons why I lean a little bit towards the Kings. I agree. There's value there. I just don't know if I'm going to bet it. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Let's move on to the Warriors. So as I take another victory lap in lieu of Brandon Anderson being around, I have Warriors under 51 and a half, and I just kept hitting it. I talked about... The, the preseason overseas Asia travel being a huge indicator of preseason uh, regression, um, of, of season regression and win total. I talked about how hard it is to get those over 50 numbers and win totals, how often those have gone under in the last 10 years. The Warriors right now, after a preseason win total that was as high as 52 and a half in some places, their line right now at FanDuel is 43 and a half. Their Pythag is 42.6. I've got them at 40.9. I have them projected for under 500 wow. by a hair. Uh, they've had the 27th ranked strength of schedule so far. So they are where they are with a bad strength of schedule. Uh, they have the fourth toughest remaining strength of schedule. If this were any other team, yep. we're probably like, this is a, like, this is a joke. This is a joke line. Are you kidding me? 43 and a half. This team does not look like they're going to be over 500 at all. Like they look definitely like a 500 team at best. Um, now look, they're only 21 and 22. They're only one game over. So the over here is not necessarily all that difficult. My question for you is Steph's back. And we'll talk about this in most important covers. They drop two after Steph gets back. Are they, everyone's expecting the second half run from the Warriors. Do you think it's coming? I'm not expecting it. You know, I've been bearish on this team all season long, especially in the regular season. Sure, if they get into the playoffs, and I think we all expect them to get at least to a play-in game and get into a playoff. A seven-game series, they are still the champs. But from a regular season perspective, they have the fourth worst defense in the league right now, giving up uh, basically 118 points per game. 
without their amazing home record, which is seven and 17 and five, I believe is second best in the NBA, second only to the Cavs. I mean, this team is, is not very good, guys. Like, yes, they have amazing players. And yes, when they are healthy, Matt makes this point all the time. When the, the triplets are healthy, Clay, Steph, and Draymond, they win the finals. Like, we've seen that the last decade, right? If they are healthy heading into the playoffs, they're playing the majority of the seven-game series, they're going to win. But right now, there's just a lot of issues with this team. Even their young guys, you know, they're they're doing, you know, multiple timelines. Maybe that's scrapped now. They're probably looking to make a, a move or two. But those young guys are hurt. They're not playing. Um, I just think it's a, in, a, in a really bad situation. And you're right. Like, Steph comes back that Thursday night game, and they get blown out by the Suns on their home floor. Those are very bad vibes. I know it's still Steph Curry, one of the greatest, the greatest shooter ever and one of the greatest players ever, but I just don't know if it's enough, guys. I, I think if we take out the team name, we take out the team name, people are going to be very bearish on this team like I am. There's been a lot of conversation about, in my in my timeline, my mentions, uh, there's been a discussion. Um, Narsi over at, at B-Ball Index was talking about how no team has won like there's only been a handful of teams in NBA history that have won without a top two seed that has been really important. Like you need home court and the Warriors are absolutely like, there's, they're not going to have home court, not for a single round. Like they're going to have to play all three series on the road. And in, this is an interesting example of the historical context versus what you think about this team. And it's essentially, if we talk about title futures, you have to, if you're going to bet on the Warriors right now, you have to believe that they're going to buck history, that they're going to be like that, that 01, I think it was 01, is that their 01 or 02 Lakers team that was terrible in the regular season and then just slammed through everybody in the playoffs. You have to believe that they're going to be able to be that team. They, their depth, their margin for error is the thinnest it has ever been because they have like Wiseman is a zero. They were counting on Wiseman to be a plus and he's a, he is a negative. He is unplayable. Like, I think Kaminga is pretty good. I think Moody is going to get better. But, like, those guys are not ready, and they're having to scrap together these minutes with Jermichael Green and Dante DiVincenzo. Those guys are nice, like, additional pieces to have. But they're having to, like, they need impact guys outside yeah. of the big four. And that's getting to be, I think, really difficult, you know, outside of Poole, Curry, Clay, and Dre. So. And, and, Matt, you mentioned having to win three series on the road. If you look at the NBA record right now or standings right now, you know, the, the worst team is in the league, Houston Rockets, Charlotte Hornets, Pistons, Spurs, all but one of them have a better road record than the Warriors. The Warriors have the second worst road record in the entire NBA, 4-17. and 17. How is this team going to win four games uh, in, in, on a, in a series when they don't have home court? So that's a tough part. From a betting perspective, because we were going to talk about this in most important covers, but I'm going to go ahead and get to it now. This one stunned me. Since 2003, the Warriors currently have the worst against the spread win percentage on the road of any team. And the difference is seven percentage points. They're five and 16 against the spread on the road. Like, think about this. Not only are they a, like, can they not win on the road? They can't cover the number even when they're dogs. Like that's how bad they've been. So yeah, I think there's a lot. There's a. I think you have to factor that in. And we have seen historically some teams really struggle. The Sixers last year are a good example of this, where they were a really bad road team, 
And then they had to go to Miami and it was really tough for them. Like that was a bad situation for them. So uh, something to keep in mind. Uh, one more for you on, as we talk about second half surge teams, this is maybe the under look that I think is, is on the table. Um, well, it's, it's both for me. Cause I'm, I'm really of two minds on this. The Sixers number is 50 and a half. Their current win total is 50 and a half. They're at 49.5 Pythag. So Pythagorean expectation is for them to finish just below this. Uh, I have them expected based off of my numbers at 50.3. So just like just below the hook here. Um, they are 30th in strength of schedule this season. They've had the easiest opponent strength of schedule per dunksandthrees.com. They are first at Tankathon in opponent remaining strength of schedule. Those are two different numbers, right? Wow. So SOS at dunks and threes is going to be more about what's the offensive and defensive rating that you're facing on a night to night basis. Tankathon just takes like, Hey, here's your opponent's record. The rest of the way, here's who you're going to play. So the Sixers are going to play a bunch of really good record teams after having played a bunch of really bad under the hood teams. That's kind of the best way to put it. Simmons was on Bill Simmons was, was on Lowe's podcast and they were talking about the Sixers and he was like, boy, I don't know. Like, look at the schedule they got coming up. They got Utah and then they go to LA. Um, and it's like, no, like they, they're off to a really good start in that. The Sixers grayed out really well in my numbers. I feel like they're get they have no buzz. No one is talking about them. No one's taking them seriously. This is a really solid team. The number suggests that the under has a little bit of value here at 50 and a half. But I would tell you that like, if this was 48 and a half, 49 flat, I'm probably like, I don't know. I kind of like an over. So that's how close this is. It's definitely a stay away for me, but I think it's an interesting question of what the numbers suggest, which is that this is probably an underplay very slightly versus like, I kind of feel like the market is so hesitant and, skeptical of the Sixers that their numbers aren't necessarily as high as they might be for another team in the spot. Yeah, they're sitting at 27 and 16. So that's a winning percentage of 62.8 percentage. That should be above 50. The fact that it's leaning towards the under is, is pretty big. I think there's two things here that are working against this team, especially if you're an analytical guy like I am. They have a really good defensive rating. They only give up 110.2 points but that number, if you dive deeper into it, it's, it's not something you really can trust, right, Matt? Tyrese Maxey's been out a ton. James Harden's been out a ton. So you've been replacing those two very offensive-minded players with very defensive-minded players. So you're obviously just organically going to have a better defense. And then the other thing is you're, you're just going to expect Joel Embiid to miss some games here in the second half of the season, make sure he's healthy heading into the playoffs. So there's going to be some big matchups. And the fact that you said that they have the hardest strength of schedule coming up, one of the hardest, they're going to have some big games, especially second nights of a back-to-back. Those games, most likely, Joel Embiid is going to sit out, depending on what the travel is or the rest advantage or disadvantage is. Like, he usually takes the easier game of the two. So, I mean, there's a, a few things working out. And I think Harden at this age also understands it's not about trying to win as many regular season games as possible. He just wants to be healthy going into the playoffs. And I think um, I think you're right. I think there is value on this team. If the regular season was, you know, valued more or people cared about cared about it more, I do like this team. I do like the versatility of the team. 
I like the guys off the bench. I think Melton's been awesome for them, for example. Um, but from a from where I think the mindset of the players are today in 2022, I think under is a good spot. I want to note this before we move on. Uh, this surprised me. The Sixers this season are seven and four straight up, six and five against the spread without Joel Embiid. So surprisingly pretty decent. They've done pretty well without Embiid so far this season. Tells you about the strength of the squad. I think their defense in particular. Let's move on to the mic drop. Most important covers of the weekend. The Bucks dropped both games to Miami. Giannis Antetokounmpo doesn't play in either one. Then he sits out Monday in their matchup uh, on MLK Day. Getting a little bit worried about Giannis there. He's had a lot of minutes, had to, had, had to do a lot with Chris Middleton at, out. You know, my big takeaway here is, on, and we've been talking about how I've been like sounding the alarm on the on the Bucks for a solid month and a half. You now. have, you have. Guys, like things are, are not good. I, Brandon tried to talk me into the Cavs division bet in the, before the season. I was like, Brandon, they always win the division. They The Bucks always win the division. <laughs> Cavs are plus 170 right now. They're a half game back. They're a half game back. The Bucks played unsustainably well in terms of win percentage versus the overall numbers. I, if you ask me who the better team is right now, it's Cavaliers, and I don't need to like really go back and forth on it. The Bucks might get there, but I, I think they got to show me. Like I'm not sure I can trust them. So when I look at a plus one seventy number, I I kind of wonder if I need to be betting on on Cavaliers to win this division finally. Yeah, if you're looking at the recent trends of this division, Central Division and the East. There's no one really playing well. Pacers right now have the best record in their last 10, 6 and 4. Everyone else is 5 and 5. That includes the Cavs, the Bucks and the Bulls. Pistons obviously they're going for for, you know, tankathon there. 12 and 35 overall, 3 and 7. They're out of the discussion, but um I would say the Cavs just like the Pelicans uh, are more motivated to win regular season games than a team like the Bucks who've been there multiple times several years. Um, I actually think there's value here on the Pacers. I think the Pacers are being uh, overlooked for a bit. They have really good offense, as you can imagine, and uh, a lot of depth with their young guys. So I think there's value in the Pacers here. Obviously, they most likely won't beat the Bucks and Cavs in the Central Division, um, but I think there is value when it comes to Indy. With that being said, plus 170 for the Cavs, for a team, like I said, who's motivated to win regular season games, the best home court advantage right now, sitting at 18 and four. Uh, and you expect their their guys to only get better as they get integrated. Donovan Mitchell has been incredible, but you think their their players are only going to get better, right? With Karis LeVert and Okoro and those guys getting into the fold. So I like the Cavs and you're right. You've been ringing the alarm on the Bucks for several weeks. Um, Giannis could be more hurt than, you know, initially thought of and, I think this team is is hobbling right now. They 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 definitely need a move or two, Matt. Yeah, it's uh it's tough. I, the problem I have is if I bet the Cavs and the Bucks win, I'm going to be like, what are you doing? The Bucks always win this division, and if I don't bet it and the Cavs win the division, I already have like Bucks in, in division parlays. I'm going to be like, why did you not bet the Cavs? They were the better team all year. You knew they were the better team, so I'm just like, yeah, there's no good answer here. We have one more to talk about in most important covers. That's Denver and the Western Conference. Uh, Denver wins its sixth in a row. Memphis wins its ninth. Memphis has had a nice stretch of easy games where they're just creaming bad teams every single night, just running the ball down their throat. In the market, you can find props for who's going to finish number one in the Western Conference. Pelicans kind of slipped a little bit out of uh, out of the establishment based off of uh the Zion Williamson injury. So that's been kind of like a little bit of a concern. 
Um, so I'll talk a little bit here about this market. Denver right now to be the number one seed is minus 205. The Grizzlies, very surprisingly, uh, is plus are plus 145. So even though the Grizzlies are ostensibly tied with the Nuggets in the Western Conference, they're uh, a half game back, but tied in the loss column, the market's heavily towards Denver. So I wonder if they've just taken a lot of money on Denver in this market, and that's one of the reasons. So you might shop around and see if there's a, a discrepancy there. Um, look, I, I've been a Memphis skeptic all year i have the under on them that's probably going to lose just based off of the fact that you keep winning these games and they found a way they just absolutely they don't one of the most impressive things to me is like they just don't let up like there's not a night where i'm like oh memphis didn't have it like every single night they bring it in opportunity when they have a high opportunity to win they win the game uh you have to outright beat this this team in order to get the win which is honestly pretty impressive considering how most teams take the regular season like if you look at uh, the Grizzlies this season are 17 and six versus teams below 500 and 12 and seven against teams above. Like they've beaten good teams. They've beaten bad teams. They've been awesome. Um, but I was to ask you, we don't even have to bet on this. I just want to kind of get your thoughts on it. Who do you think finishes with the one seed in the Western conference? I think if it was between those two teams, I think it's going to be the Grizzlies. The reason why I say that is because they still win when John Moran is out of the lineup. I don't know if I can say the same if Jokic. I mean, Jokic is a better player, does more, and is is worth more to a team than any other player in the league. But we we've seen with with John Morant's injuries not only last year but this year he's missed a couple games here and there, and the Grizzlies continue to win. I think the biggest thing with them is uh, you're right, like their pace of play and the way they attack the basket is like any other team, and with. Jaron Jackson back in. I mentioned this last week, but I think he is the swing player in the entire conference. If he is healthy and he can play 25, 30 minutes a game, the impact that he has on a defensive end is is significant, obviously. And I think it's enough to win uh, you know, the regular season crown. So out of those teams, I would say the Grizzlies, Nuggets, 19 and three at home, unbelievable. They're 22 and nine in the conference. I think that's by far the best. Uh, mark in the Western Conference, like for example, the Grizzlies by compar- comparisons only fourteen and ten. Uh, so the Nuggets have played a lot of Western teams already. They've already beat up on them. Now they're going to play the Eastern, you know, conference teams majority in the second half. I think it's a great spot, but to me, I think the Grizzlies are a little more. Um, how do I like if I, if I had to if I had to buy insurance, I I would say the Grizzlies would cost less with insurance because I've seen them winning without John Morant. Would you take, if I gave you Nuggets, Grizzlies, or the field, would you take the field? Mm, that's tough. I would have taken the field before Zion's injury. Um, I think that that injury is especially soft tissue with a guy like him that's so twitchy and so explosive. I think they're going to be super cautious with it. I would have loved the Pelicans here. I would take I would take Nuggets, Grizzlies, man. Okay. All right. Now we're going to move on to our final segment, which is we always do this every week. We say, if you had to bet the awards, it gives you an idea of the market. And we'll let you know if we bet anything on them. Uh, for MVP, Nikola Jokic has moved into the favorite spot at FanDuel. It's been a long, slow climb for him, but he's now plus 175. Uh, I've been betting him and including him in parlays over the last couple of weeks. I'll probably continue to do so. 
if the Nuggets are going to finish with a top two seed, if the Nuggets are going to win 53 plus games, if Jokic is going to have this kind of dominance and have nights. One of the things is that he's getting attention. I need to kind of stress this. He's getting a lot of attention of night to night. You're seeing the social media conversation about he had, you know, 10 points, 17 assists, 12 rebounds, or the next night he has 31 points, eight assists, uh, 12 rebounds. So like, that variety and what he's bringing uh, combined with all the sick passes that are making it like he's finally broken through and, and highlights are appearing on social media. Uh, he's getting attention. I think that goes a long way, but we talked last week and we were like, wow, Tatum's a plus, like, look at this Tatum number. It's plus 600 now for a team that I grow increasingly alarmingly, sadly concerned is might just run away with the Eastern Conference uh, because of the struggles of all the other teams. Yeah. Even though this this has been pretty close, Durant's injury I think shapes this a lot. Uh, if you're betting right now, say if you're entering in the market, like I think you got to bet Tatum plus six hundred just because this number is so long for a guy that was number one in the straw poll a month and a half ago. Yeah. Before I get into Jason Tatum, my question to you, Matt, do you think Giannis is out of the discussion? Like, is this injury or the vibes in Milwaukee going to take him out? No. Recency bias is such a powerful motivator and the Bucks have a built in advantage. Like there's still, here's the thing. You got to start with like the standings. The Bucks are still 27 and 16, 11 games over 500, four back of the top seed in the Eastern conference. If Chris finally gets healthy and they make a trade, and the Bucks go, all right, fine. Hasn't gone the way that we've necessarily wanted. We've been a little bit grumpy. It's been a struggle. Let's buckle down. And guys start hitting shots. And they just go on a rampage. And they have that, that second half push like they did last year where they were behind in the, in the division and finished number one. If they do that again and Giannis continues to have these monstrous performances, he's going to get a lot of that, that attention. The recency bias will be pretty high on him. Like, I think you're seeing this. Uh, Richard Jefferson's having a lot of tweets about how, like, we need to appreciate what Giannis is doing. And I'm like, our Jeff, like, his all of his shooting numbers are down and don't compare with the other guys. Like, the win percentage doesn't compare with the other teams. His plus minus doesn't compare with the other teams. And just anecdotally, when you watch the games, the Bucks are kind of lifeless and their offense sucks. Like, there should be a bigger drag. I don't think Giannis is out. I think that you have to ask yourself, like, what's your faith level that the Bucks are going to go on? Not a good run, but a great run to end the season. Yeah. So I, I, I'm pretty sure now, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, uh, whether I would take the over or under three and a half when it comes to Jason Tatum, where he finishes in the MVP race. I'm pretty sure he's going to finish top three. Um, I know two weeks ago, Celtics gave up 150 points to Oklahoma City Thunder without Shea Gilgis Alexander. We thought the we thought the sky was falling. They haven't lost since. They've gone on a seven game winning streak. They won again today. Obviously, it's a very soft schedule with Char- with Charlotte today. But uh, Tatum dropped 51 and nine on MLK first game of the day. I think it's a great time to jump into Tatum odds 600. I think he's going to end up being top three um, because. The, the Celtics are going to separate from the East. And it's not because they're so much better. I think there's just so much attrition now, you know, with Milwaukee, with Brooklyn, with, you know, potentially Philly. We talked about this MVP race being a marathon and not a sprint. I think Jason Tatum at the end of the day is going to be, you know, a top three finisher in the marathon because he is going to play 70, 75 games. Um, so I, I like the Celtics. They're going to finish first in the, in the East. I think just by that 
part alone, the Celtics or the or Tatum's going to be top three. As far as the top two with Luka and Jokic, I think it's a week to week thing with these two guys. They're just way in terms of numbers and what they do for their teams. And I think Jokic does justifiably have the edge over Luka right now. Um, they just put, they just do so much for their teams. And I think one week it could be a, a, a Jokic week. Uh, next week could be Luka, you know, averaging 40 for the week. So it's, it's going to be back and forth all season long. The biggest thing with Jokic right now, Nuggets are first place in the West. Jokic has won two straight MVPs without the Nuggets finishing first place. They finish at first place this year. You have you just have to give it to him because it's not like his numbers are going down from the previous two years. Sixth man of the year. Uh, this market is fascinating in how it's turned. So at FanDuel, Westbrook's minus one twenty five after he had one of the worst game winning attempts in NBA history last <laughs> night. Uh, Jordan Poole still plus five hundred. Malcolm Brogdon's plus five hundred. We talked about him last week. My guy Norman Powell all the way down from sixty to one to fifteen to one. Benedict Matherin leads all at players in scoring and is at plus 2,200. So I'm just going to go ahead and tell you, I bet Matherin at 22 to one. Now I have a, I had an early season bet on him um, and went ahead and took. And so I added a, a unit here just at 22 to one. That's incredible value for Matherin. Again, this award goes to the guy that scores the most. It goes to the player that scores the most. And Matherin's averaging the most points off the bench of any player. Yeah. This is pretty simple. It's just like, look, if you think that there will, I will say that my bet is based off of this assumption that you have to agree with. I think there will be a built-in bias against Russell Westbrook. He's inefficient. He's a drag on the team. They want to trade him and can't. He does stuff like last night. No matter what Russ does, he may have garnered a little bit of appreciation for taking a bench role. All that is overshadowed by the fact that he is a net negative whenever he's on the floor. Um, and as a longtime Russ guy, this pains me, but I just do not see it. And I will continue to not bet Russ and leave myself wide open for vulnerability in this market. I bet a million guys in this, and Russ is still not one of them. Um, I still don't think that he's going to win. I think Matherin here at 22 to 1 is an absurd number. Yeah, I agree with you on both fronts. I think Matherin's great value. Uh, historically, this award has always been points per game. Crawford, um, Jordan Clarkson, you know, guys like that. Uh, Jason Terry off the bench. Um, and, and, and the second front is I don't believe in Russell Westbrook. Um, although he does have the most triple doubles off the bench in history, which is a pretty cool stat. Um, he's a net negative and he, you're right. Like the Lakers are not going to go anywhere. I do want to mention this guy. I don't think he's going to win, but I do want to mention this guy. So there's 10 players in the NBA, Matt, averaging a double double. There's only 10 guys. One of those 10 guys is coming off the bench. His name is Bobby Portis. We'll he's pay. going to be getting, yeah, he's going to be getting more minutes and more playing time, you know, for the next couple of weeks, at least with Giannis nursing this injury, Chris Middleton getting back into the fold. I think uh, Bobby Portis quietly is keeping this team afloat. I know that his shooting percentages are down. He's not shooting the same efficiency when it comes to the three pointer, um, but he's playing great defense and he's, it's not like, um, Brooke Lopez, who was the runaway defensive player of the year before um, before Jaron Jackson came back, he's still playing really well defensively next to Bobby Portis. So it wasn't all Giannis. I think Bobby Portis needs to get a lot of credit when it comes to defense as well. And he, he's been hitting clutch shots uh, all season long. So, yes, I don't think he's going to win, but at Portis plus 3,000, the only bench player averaging a double-double, I just want to give props to Bobby. 
most improved player. I talked about it with Joe on Friday, and he talked me into Jalen Brunson, and he's still at plus 1,700. If you're betting it right now, I did bet Brunson. This is the bet to make is Jalen Brunson plus 1,700. Uh, if, like, if you're new to the show, then you should know that I have big positions on Shea. I have big positions on Laurie Marketing. I have built a position on Tyrese Halliburton. Um, I feel like those three, Jalen Brunson, are going to finish top four in some order. So I feel like I've got the market where it needs to be. Brunson leading a Knicks team that's top 10 in both offense and defense at dunks and threes. There's a very good chance that Jalen has made enough noise for him to sneak into an all-star spot. I don't like his numbers aren't comparable to Shea's. They're not. No one's numbers in this conversation are comparable to Shea's. Only Michael Jordan, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> so like Shea's ahead of the pack there and the Thunder have started to win a little bit more late, lately. Um, I, I think Shea's going to be an all-star. If you're wondering why we're talking about all-star, there's been a high correlation between guys that are making their first all-star appearance and winning most improved. Like there's just, we've, we've found that those are the guys that do it. There's a numbers jump that you have to make. Brunson's made that jump. You have to, and you don't have to be, it helps if you're an all-star first time and it helps if you're on a team that's making a surprising run to a playoff spot. The Knicks obviously fit that category to a T. So Jalen at plus 1700, that number is way too long. If you're betting it right now, Jalen Brunson's the best number on the board. Yeah, I agree with you on Jalen Brunson, and I'll keep this really short. I mentioned Michael Jordan when it comes to Shea Gilgis. His numbers, plus the blocks and the steals, there's only two other players that have done that, Michael Jordan and Dwayne Wade. But in January, Matt, Jalen Brunson has turned into a Michael Jordan. He's averaging 32.4 points per game, 5.7 rebounds, 5.6 assists. Those are Michael Jordan numbers. Knicks are 6-1. and one. They're playing today, you know, shooting for 7-1, one, one of the best teams uh, in recent forms in the league. So I, I do like Jalen Brunson. Not only is he getting uh, all-star buzz, but MIP buzz for sure. And finally, for Defensive Player of the Year, it's Jaron Jackson Jr. Minus 135, Grizzlies' best defense in the league since he came back. The numbers are insane. Uh, there's a big feature on him from 538 from Jared Dubin you should check out. I don't have another candidate right now that I think is a serious, like Brooke got so much attention that first four or five months. Buck's defense is still elite. Definitely think that he needs to be in the conversation. I still think Jared Allen's too low on this list. I still think that like, I think Jared Allen's going to be the guy where I'm like, why didn't he finish higher? Like he was really good for a Cavs team. That's like elite. I, I just think too many people are still going to continue to give Evan Mobley the majority of, of the credit and the system um so jaron jackson's only minus 135 now until this hits minus 200 i i think minus if well, i'll say this if we get above minus 150 i think you're starting to get into jaron's injured enough that you need to be curious careful there but minus 135 if jaron were to get hurt god god forbid uh if jaron were to get hurt i'd have to completely re-examine this award and start taking long shots because i think it might be one of those late season guys like marcus smart last year but Right now, this is developing into the, the if you ask me which of the awards, MVP, six man of the year, most improved defensive player of the year, rookie of the year, rookie of the year is the most lock with Paolo. The second lock on this list, I think, is is Jaron Jackson right now at minus 135 DPOI. Yeah, I, I co-signed everything uh, that Matt just said. One thing is at minus 135, if you didn't take anything away from this podcast and you want to take one thing and you want to bet, I think Jaron Jackson, Defensive Player of the Year, at minus 135 is unbelievable odds. There's no way you can handicap injuries. That's just luck, bad luck. So if you think he's going to play the rest of the season or the majority of the rest of the season, he's pretty much locked in to win this award. 
Jaron Jackson minus one thirty five. I'm gonna go to the to the to the cashier and, and put more on it to be honest because I think um, this is the closest thing to a lock that we have when it comes to these futures awards. All right, let's go wrap it up for Buckets for Monday. We'll be back tomorrow with the Best Bets episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be with you throughout the week. We're going to be adding more Best Bets episodes after football gets wrapped up. Make sure to download the Action Network app for all your betting needs. Track all your bets. Get up to the second information where the bets and money are coming in on our daily show, Green Dot Daily. So much cool stuff. Check it out. Download the Action Network app right now. For AC, Albert Wynn, the analytics capper, I'm Matt Moore. We'll see you guys again next time. But until then, let's get Buckets. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.